Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. My name is Brandon Fong, and I'm beyond grateful to have you here, whether you are a new friend or an old friend, and I am super excited to introduce you to today's guest, Chris Kyle. My big why or my purpose statement is super simple, is that I'm a catalyst for growth and awakening of all beings. That includes myself, of course, first and foremost. So it's like I'm a catalyst of my growth and awakening. And so how can I serve in that? There's many, many ways to serve. So I like to say that when people get some clarity of quote unquote their purpose or their sense of mission in life, that I want to say that a purpose level is not about form. Purpose is not form. Man, oh man, where do I start about Chris? Well, first, shout out to Marusha Murphy, who introduced the two of us. When I found out what Chris was up to, I knew he had to come on the show because of his really unique approach in nature-based leadership. So I'll get to that in a little bit, but let me tell you a little bit about Chris's experience. In his roles as an executive entrepreneur, consultant, and e-learning expert, Chris has spent over 30 years successfully guiding and growing organizations, developing leaders and teams, and building individual brands. Chris is the founder of Launch Academy and e-learning training program and community to help individuals and organizations create market and launch transformative online courses and programs to a global audience. Chris graduated from Stanford University where he studied political science and economics and has a master's degree in nature-based leadership from Prescott College. He is an avid hiker, backpacker, cyclist, scuba diver, and intrepid traveler with 46 countries under his belt. Guys, the reason why I was super excited to bring Chris on is because of his work in nature-based leadership. I think it's really ironic that we have made so much progression in the world of science, but we have lost touch with the wisdom that nature holds to give us more wisdom to connect with ourselves, but also to connect with the world around us. I think we've just generally become very disconnected with the world around us. So anyways, there's so much in this conversation about how you can leverage nature to connect deeper with yourself and also leverage the insights to expand your impact in the world. So so there's so much to look forward to in today's episode, but as always, I would love for you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how Chris went from working at a big pharma company, specifically Allergen, the company that made Botox, to having his own travel company and then constantly making a leap into express his purpose at a bigger level, where today that is obviously manifesting in his work on nature-based leadership. Number two, we discuss what it feels like to jump from one thing that doesn't serve you into another, that liminal space of knowing that there's something greater for you and you don't have it quite figured out and how to navigate that situation of not being in love with where you are, but not being fully landed into that next thing. What is that like to go through and navigate that? I think it is a really, really important conversation to have for anybody that is constantly looking to find alignment and jump into a greater expression of their purpose. And Number three, I would love for you to look out for, obviously, Chris's work on nature-based leadership, how to connect with nature to unlock emotional intelligence, increase quality of decision-making, and just being present, being with anything and everything instead of trying to change things. So there is so much in today's episode with Chris on his wisdom of constantly looking to find more alignment in his life to expand his purpose, and then also how you can leverage nature-based leadership to unlock your potential. So without any further ado, please Please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Chris Kyle. 
Mr. Chris Kyle. Welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend. This is going to be a blast. Great to be here with you, Brandon. I'm excited for the interview. Absolutely. And I, I was there was so much juicy things in your story, and I, I was looking at some different ways that we could start. And I thought a, a really fun place to start would be talking about Botox. Now, not not because you've used Botox, <laughs> but because you used to work for the creators of Botox and you ended up <laughs> learning and making pivots throughout your career, finding greater alignment. And so I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit about your earlier journey and how you've kind of continued to make some adjustments to kind of find that trajectory that you've been on today. Yeah, that's great. Good, uh, good, good one. Good catch there. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never used Botox on myself, but yeah, my first, you know, coming out of college, right out of college, I got into a management development program with a big pharmaceutical company. It's actually called Smith Klein Beckham at that time, but the one of their companies was Allergan Pharmaceuticals. So people might be familiar. Allergan created Botox and a bunch of other stuff. It's a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, and I went there, I went to Southern California down to Irvine and joined this company and thought that that was I mean, here, so we're going to, this will be a theme too, is coming out of college. I had a, an image in my mind of what I thought I should be doing, what I thought I should be doing, the shoulds in there. And I really thought business where I wanted to go. I want to get a career and, you know, work for a company where I could really learn and grow. And I sort of had this thought that, am I really doing this? Because <laughs> there was a little bit of a sliding door that I'll tell you later of that I could have gone in a very different direction. I wonder what my life would have been like. So I did join this company. I learned a lot. I was in a big pharmaceutical company and I moved around from different areas, from marketing to business development, out into sales, was out meeting with optometrists and ophthalmologists. And um, yeah, and I got within about three or four years of being in the pharmaceutical industry with two different companies. I said, I'm done. I'm done with big corporate. <laughs> I kind of knew it going in. I don't know why I didn't really listen to my heart as well. I was really listening more to my head and again, the shoulds. Um, and I, I don't regret it. So here's the thing is I learned a lot. I learned a ton being in a, in a fortune 500 company and what it takes to navigate that and what, you know, how to, how to, you know, navigate that and manage that. So it definitely served me, but it was only for a short period of time. And then I definitely made my way into the entrepreneurial world after that. So that that's kind of the first part of my journey and realizing looking back, there is learning there, but I also learned that I didn't really trust a deeper instinct and a deeper wisdom, mm -hmm. my heart, more of what was really calling me. Um, and I will just say at this time, at that time, as I was coming out of, I went to Stanford, so I love Stanford. And as I was coming out of that, I was really intrigued by the film, uh, the video and film industry, you know, like in mm -hmm. making movies. And um, I really thought about going to film school, coming out, just taking a break, taking maybe six months or a year off, and then going to film school. And literally UCLA, New York, USC, where, you know, wherever I could get into. And I didn't, I kind of, I think a part of me chickened out on that creative endeavor of that could be a hard freaking path to go down, to be somebody that's in the movie industry in Hollywood, you know, trying to write movies, direct movies or act in movies. And I didn't, I didn't do that. And it's a clear sliding door. I could have done that. And then I don't know, my life would be totally radically different than it is now, but that was it. And so here I am from that journey. And that's led me all these, this next journeys that we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. You said a few key words that I just think are really important to highlight and have become more and more important to me over the years. And you kind of said the importance of listening to your heart, how you were mostly head-based and that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of wild to even think about you because the you that I've met 
you're this super heart-based connected listening to your body, but like we all have these different parts of our journey where maybe we're not as in tuned or maybe don't even think about or consider other ways of making decisions. So I love that you planted that seed because I know that's a part of your work today and I want to kind of get to that. But I I do want to unpack a little bit more of your journey on how you've arrived here. And I, I know that you've done so much work, not only on yourself, but you facilitate and you guide other people through coming to deeper understanding of yourself. So it's been kind of cool. These podcasts are such a great opportunity for me to see like the the iceberg that is the, the human. You see, you see the tip and then you see underneath it. But I found that as you kind of like teach other people and you're more compelled to guide and facilitate, it kind of uncovers more about yourself as well. And that, that creates deeper and deeper awareness. So I, I thought another kind of relevant point on the, on the on your journey is the new warrior training adventure. So let's talk a little bit about that and how that played a role into helping you to become who you are today as well. That's good. I, that's good. I love, I love your connected, the connected pieces. Yeah. Because that's actually, uh, you know, the corporate world. And then I left the corporate world and started running, uh, a, an adventure travel company, an ecotourism company called nature expeditions international. So that was that foray of getting out of big corporate and doing something more. I love, which I love travel. I love the experience that people go on and travel, you know, an adventure and they're changed by just the adventure. I mean, there's nothing, there was no personal development component to it. It was just going on these nature-based tours and eco tours into Africa and Nepal and Costa Rica and places like that. And so I ran that for say about five, six years after I left the corporate space, I was married at the time, my first marriage, my first wife, and we ran it together. Um, And that started to kind of, it's interesting. Again, I felt much more on, on purpose with, I'm I'm having, I have my own company and people are having these amazing experiences, but as, as anything in life, I started to realize, I don't really want to be the guy that's behind the desk managing a travel company <laughs> which you is be actually, jumping off the cliffs into a into a pond of water <laughs> exactly because we had we had guides all over the world i wasn't guiding the trips i was running a company and it happened to be a travel company which is a pain in the ass to fucking run brandon you know a travel the travel business is just awful as a you know what i mean there's so many things that go wrong and changes and there's a there's a war that breaks out and you can't so it was just intense because so much shit going on around the world that it was draining, even though it was exciting to have people come back and go, oh my God, that trip was so amazing. I wasn't connected to it. I was running the company, marketing plans and budgets and running the team. Uh, it was great learning. Uh, this was where I got my, I never went and got back my MBA, but with the form in the pharmaceutical world and then adding this, you know, running my own company for six years, I definitely was the, in this trenches MBA, you know, so I really learned a lot about business and growing a business at, at both levels, the, the five fortune 500 level and the entrepreneurial level. Mm. Uh, but then I was burning out. So this is all leading up to the, the new warrior training venture is uh, I was burning out on the business. Um, my wife was already out. She says, I don't like this kind of business. So I'm out. Mm. You do it, you run it. I'm going to do my own thing. And it was, I was fine for a while. And then we, you know, it just really got to a burnout point and our relationship was suffering. So all of this, it was those moments that I know we all have in life. And I've had this several times in my life. This was that inflection point where everything was melting down. And I'm sure you've had these conversations with other people of some big transition in life where lots of things were crazy. So I was the business, I was felt burned out and done with the business. The relationship was moving to divorce. 
living in a in a new city. We moved to Tucson from Eugene, Oregon to Tucson. So I didn't really develop the friendships because I was working so hard on the business. So I was kind of isolated in this town where I didn't have a lot of friends yet. And uh, all of that was happening. And then, uh, and then during the midst of all this, my, my father, who's an amazing man, has done incredible things in his life and always had his ear to the ground with all the new things that are emerging from the 60s movement and from meditation and mindfulness and yoga and to, you know, psychedelics. <laughs> and then, so he had done the new war training adventure two years before I did down in San Diego. And he just kept gently reminding me as he saw my life melting down. He said, this might be a good thing for you. You know, you really, this is, it was so powerful for me. I think it might help you get clarity and just kind of, you know, support you in, in your journey here. And a, free, free, a couple of times, like, yeah, no, you know, thanks, dad. I, I'm just so busy right now. I got so much on my plate. And then I think on the third invitation, I, I was really in that place of something has to shift or change. It was in that tight, everything was tight and not the divorce mm. was, we weren't, we weren't completing the divorce. We were sort of in that the business, I still had the business, but I was really thinking about selling it. And all of this was really tight. And I just said, I need something to help me kind of break open or get more clear or have more truth for myself. So I said, yeah, great. Let's, let's do it. When, when's the next one? And so I actually flew up to Oregon, to Portland, Oregon, and did the did the New Warrior Training Adventure, which is part of the Mankind Project. It's their flagship training, and some people, a lot of people, probably have heard of the Mankind Project. It's kind of the 800-pound gorilla of men's work globally. It's a global nonprofit organization. It's amazing, and um, and I did the training, and it blew my socks off. It just I was 32 years old. So I was in that kind of zone of moving through my 20s, married, looking at my 30s and beyond. And it's kind of like for a lot of the younger generation, it was my third life crisis, right? I, mm. I had that. It, was, it wasn't the midlife yet. It wasn't the 40, mid 40s. It was 32. <laughs> it was like, ah. so I did. I went and had this amazing experience that just, um, it just kind of dropped me in, down and in, and opened me up at the same time. So it was like out of my head and into my body, into my heart, really taking a hard look at my life, going through all these processes on the weekend that were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and, you know, one particular process was just doing work around my family of origin, kind of family constellation stuff. And got more clear there. And then we do a whole mission thing around what's your mission of service in the world. And those kind of pieces started to say, wow, it's time for me to really take a look at what I really want in my life and how I want to live it. And I got brutally honest with myself. I was super clear. The This is not the relationship I want. I, I'm mm. going back and we're going to move toward divorce and you know, be as compassionate as I can. And, but just in that, and I got really clear, I was going to sell the business, which I was already leaning to that, but I got motivated to do that. So coming out of that, I was able to just bring a level of clarity and honesty from my body and my heart and my soul, not my head. So I didn't have to go through pros and cons and what should I do? It was like, I'm clear. And I cleared my whole, I cleared the deck. I cleared my life. I did, I sold the business and that was great. And then I got divorced and then I traveled the world a little bit, took a bit of an adventure. And then it was really open space for me to say, what's next? And mm. at the same time, I joined a men's circle, which is a part of the Mankind Project is, you know, do the training and then you join a men's circle. And that was just 
life-changing for me to be with other good men, just talking about our lives and every week supporting each other in, in circle. And that helped me deepen my friendships with men particularly. Uh, and then just sort of went on a journey of what's, what's next for me. And it took a few years to get more, more of that clarity. Oh man, there's something I want to zoom in on there. And it was actually part of what you, you concluded that thought so perfectly. It took a few years. Cause I think that when you hear an interview like this and it's kind of like a fast forward of someone's journey, <laughs> it's yeah. like you kind of gloss over that liminal space that happens in transition. And it is like a big part of the hero's journey is like, we go through this cycle and like you're th the reason why the hero's journey is kind of like a cycle is because it happens over and over and over again. And those periods of transition between the finishing of one story which is the finishing of your travel company at the start of something new, there's that weird space that people like, it's just, it's, it's really hard to describe. So I'm just kind of curious for somebody that might be listening to this, or there's an entrepreneur that is considering taking their next jump, or they're considering saying goodbye to their old thing. And they have this taste of what it could be like in the future, but they know it's not their past. Yes. And it's just kind of this messy, messy, messy middle. <laughs> what are, maybe can you, can you just describe a little bit about how that's felt as you've kind of done that over and over throughout your life and maybe some, some words of wisdom for somebody that might be going through something yeah. like that? That's beautiful. That's a good bookmark to move from my journey to sort of what I see in others' journey. And coached, I've coached a lot of people around this. Mm. So very insightful brand in this liminal space. Gene Houston speaks very uh, passionately and clearly about the magic of this liminal space, being in that in-between space and not rushing through it. So um, I'll talk a bit about my journey, but also talk about how I've seen other people and even people I've coached through the process what I notice in our culture, and I know we can all feel this, is that there is a speediness in our culture that we want to move from one clarity, from one answer and one clarity piece directly to the next. So I've ended this and now I got to figure out my next step and I'm going to take two days to figure that out and then I'm going to go. You know? <laughs> and there is, there's a problem with that. The problem is that human time doesn't work like that. And our minds tend to want to move to create the next thing. So there's less uh, fear, unknown, less, less tension in us, less of the, I've got to have the answer. And so for a lot of men particularly, but I think women as well too, but for men particularly, it's the not knowing that is super scary for men. I don't know. See, literally saying that, like, I don't know what is next is really hard for a lot of men to say versus the, the usual thing is, yeah, I got this plan and I've been thinking about this and I'm going to move toward that and make that happen. And my next big vision is this, that's all fine. But a lot of times it's coming out of a place of needing to fill that liminal space more quickly and then jump right into the next thing. So when I coach, I coached a lot of executives when I left the travel industry, that's kind of where I went was coaching and consulting and then working with startups and founders. And a lot of times when they would be ending a gig, they, th th there was like a panic and a nervousness. I got, I got to have the next gig lined up. So if I'm a CMO, I got to get that next gig within months. Oh, I'll take two weeks off and then see what. And for a lot of the folks, I said, look, you got enough money in the bank. You've just had this intense time in this company that you've been with you need space. And a lot of times I'm saying take three months off or even six months off and be in the not knowing space. Get really clear at all levels. That's head, 
heart and belly, you know, from the body and the heart and the head and see if you can find alignment inside of yourself of what's really next for you. And that is hard to do in two days or two weeks or even a month. We just need to unwind ourselves a little bit. You know, it, I think the unwinding for humans after a very intense period of running a company or being in a high level in an organization or, or having your own business that you know you want to shift or sell or move away from, all of that, it takes an unwinding at the end of that intensity, which I think is at least a month, if not two, for the unwinding. And then there's some new things that can emerge on the other side of the unwinding. So for my journey is... I did it at 32 or so. I wasn't as conscious as I am now about it, but I knew from what my dad, my dad has been a long time executive coach and consultant with, you know, top companies in Silicon Valley. So he was another great advisor that time is take your time. (laughs) Don't rut, you know? And so what I did is, and this is, this is kind of advice that maybe it's practical and obvious to folks is. I did what I needed to do to bring the money in. And so when I came out of that, I, there was new clarity. There was, I wanted something different, but what I knew was the travel industry. I knew coaching and consulting. So I stayed and I stayed consulting and coaching with companies in the travel industry. Right. So this is the way if people have the pressure, just hang your consulting jingle out for a little bit, you know, get a few clients. Let If the money needs to come in, I always am supportive of that. This doesn't mean you have to stop working and don't make any money. If you have plenty, some of my clients had millions of dollars. I said, screw it, don't work. You know, but if you got to keep that in, then just find the way. So I kept a little bit of the revenue coming in and I actually helped a friend sell his company and was the broker in that. So I actually made a bunch of money. It was great. It was fun. And then I helped him with his company in the transition. So I stayed in the travel industry for two and a half years. And then I also had a, a kind of a div- divine intervention from the world. And that was that September 11th, uh, 2001 happened and it decimated the travel industry. And I was working my way out, but it was literally like a boom. And, and there's other things in the world that do that for people. And it was like, I'm done. Okay. It's clear. I'm done. The travel industry, that whole thing, I'm complete. It was a great journey. And so that was, that completed me and has set me on this next 20 years of my life where I then very consciously, I took a year off, Brandon, a full year. Mm. And I traveled the world for a year. I had my grand adventure that I was waiting for after all those years in the travel industry, traveling to do scouting and meeting with operators and all that was okay, but it wasn't my, it was business. It was always business going out to these countries and these places. And I traveled the world for a year. I went to Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, Thailand, and Bali. Mm. All long time in each of those places. Three months in New Zealand, four months in Australia, three months in Thailand. And so it was just juicy. It was amazing. I was much later in life. So I made that happen. I was 38 at the time, 37, 37, 36, 37. And it was incredible. And I, and it's that, that was a conscious, I'm unplugging and I'm going to journal, I'm going to write what's, what do I want? What, what's clear for me? And I intentionally engaged that and came back and really committed more to the transformational space of coaching and consulting and working with business owners, but at both the level of scaling their business and scaling themselves. You know, this idea of like, you need to work on you as well as work on your business or work in your business. So that was that was the transition point, and that's really where I've been with a little bit of a, a bump in more into the e-learning space. But over the last twenty years, that's that's really 
And it's been rich and beautiful because I've been directly uh, helping to transform lives rather than the guy running the business, remember, behind the computer running a business. I knew my business needed to be the business of people and transforming people in their mm. lives. And that, and, and I, what I knew was awesome at business, awesome at, at uh, personal growth and development, the, M, the mankind project, I went on their leadership track, which was a nine year journey to be certified, to lead the, the, the new warrior training adventure. It's still the one thing that I'm most proud about as like education, not necessarily about relationships and love, you know, I'm proud of that, but it was the nine year journey to be certified. That's how long it took because it's organic wow. step by step. And men, you know, sit and, and give feedback and mentor. And then are you ready for the next step? Are you ready for the next step? And so I've been doing now, I've been doing leading the weekends for a, a whole bunch of years. And that's always been a current for me that I weave into my work too. What am I learning there? How do I bring those processes and practices and things into, into my coaching work, into my consulting work? I love that. I'm very grateful that I that you shared all that kind of stuff. I can almost feel like a collective sigh of relief from a few people because I it's just being in that space, having having emerged from this space recently, and still I would say partially in that space. It is so hard because you feel like you're comparing yourself to everybody that has massive clarity. When in reality, they're probably going through some some variation of that as well. But the yeah, fact I that like I, I just really want people to sit and marinate in like the spaciousness of what you just shared of like three to six months off and like two weeks is not, <laughs> you know, so, so if you're listening to this and you're, you're wondering and you're not like fully feeling like your current trajectory is supporting you, you don't know what's next. I think that clarity doesn't come from stagnation, right? It's not something you're not going to just discover your purpose by sitting and journaling. You have to do these things that you're talking about where you're giving yourself the space. In your case, you traveled, you got out of the context, you got out of your head, you you kind of sat and checked in with different parts of your, your body, not just your intellectual brain trying to process all this kind of stuff. So thank you for sharing your insights from the space, the the, the liminal space of those transitions and some of the wise wisdom that you've earned as a result of it. I yeah. I think it, it might be valuable, Chris, to kind of set the context for some of the other stuff that we're talking about. We, we've kind of talked a lot about your journey and you provided that insight about other people going throughout their journey, but you've gone through so many different iterations and you've come to a pretty clear understanding of what you believe your purpose is to be. So maybe we can kind of put a, not an, I don't want to say a bow, because I'm sure we'll revisit different components of this in the rest of the conversation, but I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about how you've come to understand what your purpose is today. That's kind of the umbrella of all the work that you're doing. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I will start. I always like to start with the highest level, you know, as, as Simon Sinek says, start with why, right. And he, he mm. puts that in a context of organizations and personal, like what's your personal why, but also what's the organization's why. So let's start with the why my big why, or my purpose statement is super simple is that I'm a catalyst for growth and awakening of all beings. That includes myself, of course, first and foremost. So it's like I'm a catalyst of my growth and awakening. And so how can I serve in that? There's many, many ways to serve. So I like to say that when people get some clarity of quote unquote their purpose or their sense of mission in life, that I want to say that a purpose level is not about form. Purpose is mm -hmm. not form. So if I teach middle schoolers in LA in inner city kids, and I'm a teacher of that, that's not my purpose. That's a form of my purpose. And that person's purpose might be that I want to 
you know, I want to show a path for young people that they can be successful in their life or that I'm committed to young people learning and growing to have successful lives. You see what I'm saying? So, so I'll start with that, but that's really my, my North star now. And so as more, as I look at that, where can I serve? What's my sort of unique genius or what are the forms that might come out of that, that most um, align with me? And so you know, lately over the last 13 years, it's been really in the e-learning space. And the the kind of mission of that form has been that I want to help you and anybody that steps into this place of creating online programs and reaching more people, that my purpose here is to help you light up the world with your message. Hmm. Light up the world with them. And that lands even up into my higher purpose of, you know, growth and awakening um, for all beings. And so these People that come to me and have come into my Launch Academy program have been hungry and wanting to bring more of what they have inside out to more people and out in the world. So I I get served by that and have many years been supporting aspiring teachers and speakers and authors, you know, course creators to bring their message more fully into the world and to have success with that and to bring more income as well as more sense of impact and reach in what they're doing. And so that has felt um, very purposeful for a number of years. So that was the, just the quick journey. You know, that was the coming out of my adventure, going into kind of a consulting firm and just kind of getting my feet back into coaching and consulting. And then in that journey of working with people, I met Craig Hamilton and Claire Zamet of Evolving Wisdom. And Evolving Wisdom for a while was one of the fastest growing e-learning companies in North America. They were on the you know, the Inc 500 list or something like that for a while. And they asked me to join them full time. And I did. And it was like, cause I was so curious and amazed by this newly growing e-learning space. Cause this is back in 2009, 10. And, um, and that's, and I stayed with them, helped them grow the business. And then I left and I decided to stay in that space. And so that's where the journey I've been for the last 10 plus years. And now to kind of bring current is now I'm now I'm looking at, and this is a valuable insight that I've had for my life that it might help with others is I feel like I'm staying true to what I consider more of my purpose path and what really feeds me and where my particular unique genius is and that I can have impact with that. But I started looking at this idea of degrees, the, the classic big ship, the giant ship that, that moving through the waters in a one degree shift in the direction means that by the end of your destination across the Atlantic, you might be hundreds of miles off from what you did. So I've been looking at sort of that. I felt like the work I've done over the last 10 years has been great. You know, it's been really meaningful and beautiful and all that, but I felt I was off by a few degrees. I could feel mm. it. I could actually feel it in my heart. I could feel it in what's calling me now. And, and it's maybe just my own growth and development and all that, that I needed to kind of shift that. And that's where I'm now shifting is I'm really more shifting back to something I did years ago, but with much more skill. And that is back into leadership, particularly mm -hmm. entrepreneurial leadership, but also, you know, corporate leadership. And the way I'm holding leadership is at three levels. It's, it's leading, leading self, leading self, leading community, family, and community. So leading in that tighter sphere and then leading in organizations and leading out in the world, right? So mm. like companies. So all three, when I speak to leadership, it's all three levels. A lot of people want to just stay in leadership is about my team and my organization and I'm leading. 
No, you've got to be able to learn how to lead yourself, lead within your families and your communities, and then lead out in the world and organizations and, and however you want to be perceived as in sort of an external leader. And so that's been my passion over the last few years. I even went back and got my master's in, in, uh, in nature-based leadership. I'm really passionate about bringing the power of spending time in nature and how that can inform us and guide us in our own leadership, again, at those three levels. So how can nature be guide and teacher to help wake me up more insights and give me the capacities to lead more powerfully in wherever area I choose? And that's what's really unfolding for me now, even in the work that I'm doing currently, but also in what I'm planning in the future beyond purely the Launch Academy and the e-learning stuff. You know, yeah. I'm in another transition, much like you've gone through the last couple of years, <laughs> as you've said too. Yeah. Well, this I think anybody that is- easy. This one feels yeah. easier for me. Yeah. Anybody that's growing and evolving is constantly in a phase of transition, right? It's never over, yes. right? <laughs> so never I, over. I mean, there, there's so much that you shared that was just so valuable from those that last set of ideas that came through. One thing I just want to highlight and underscore that I think is really important when you said purpose isn't form. And I think that's where identity issues happen is when you get overly attached to a particular form of your purpose. And then yes. when the form gets removed, you feel a sense of emptiness. So maybe that's, I don't, I guess I'm just kind of drawing a conclusion in my own head. It's like, that's part of why your transition is getting easier and easier and why transition does get easier is because you're less attached to the form that's yes. it's taken place in the fast and in the past and more around the North star, which makes the transition kind of more seamless moving through it. So I guess it's yes. kind of an interesting thing that I've just, <laughs> I just kind of realized as I was talking there, but you let us right to a really interesting part of your work today. And that is this concept of, of nature-based leadership. And I think that this is super refreshing, powerful, engaging, um, and, and important in today's space, it's becoming more and more disconnected from just the world around us. Like you can go on a whole day and not even really put your foot on the ground anymore and really understand right. what the, the, the contributions in the world that's going on around you. And, and, you know, when was the last time you went and you spent some time in some trees, you know, it sometimes it takes a week for some of us to, to do that, especially for living in some of our some form of a concrete jungle. Right. So, so right. nature-based leadership, I, I, I don't, I mean, there's several places I thought we could start, but I know you have kind of like a four quadrant framework that you've kind of laid out as the backbone of your work that is kind of able to help people translate and understand the wisdom inside of nature and how we can pull that into our our, our leadership. So maybe that's a good place to start, but you're the pro here. Is there any anything that you yeah. think is relevant to kind of set the foundation for this this topic? That's it's a great place to start. And yeah, I mean, just in, in sort of the work that I focused on, I would just pop up again to a bit of the higher level is to just state that particularly over the, and this is, comes from my work and my thesis and a lot of reading and a lot of research and just really looking at the evolution of humanity and how the arc of humanity over the last thousands of years, if you want to say, you could even go further back, but particularly over the last 500 years, since the two big things is the enlightenment and then you know in this whole idea of the enlightenment and renaissance and then the birth of the scientific revolution that didn't exist 800 years ago and the way humans lived 800 years ago were very different the way they looked at the world was very different and so what's happened is that i would say and this is no there is no shame or blame in this for human beings is that we've simply broken the relationship that we've had with the natural world, with the more than human world, nature, mother, mother earth, 
we've broken that relationship that for millennia was much more integrated. Whether you thought about, you know, indigenous cultures or not, it doesn't matter. It's just that we lived close to the land and we as human beings have had this harmonious connection with the land and honored it and blessed it and saw that our, our lives were intimately intertwined with the world around us. And the scientific revolution changed that where then it was a model of world as machine and man or woman, man, woman in dominion over nature. Some of the religious constructs. Exactly. And that that was scientific revolution, but also the birth of modern religions and how they got more codified. So then religions were like, we're we're in dominion over nature, you know, we're the, the highest beings here. And so what I'm saying is then that that for for thousands and thousands of years, that natural harmonious connection where we learn from the earth and we 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 got all our sustenance from the earth, that got broken. And then we started on this path of technological revolution of scientific revolution. And we've learned a ton and humanity has come a long way and all the stuff and all of our science and medicine, amazing, amazing. And it's time to reclaim that even in our modern context, how do we reclaim and mend that break? And that is the essence of what I'm passionate about now, which weaves into all the stuff I've I've learned in other contexts of human development and personal growth and personal development is bringing people, encouraging people to come back to an intimate connection with nature, with the natural world. Just as you said, living more in a concrete jungle, in a house, in front of our devices, our computers, our laptop, our, our iPads, and our gaming devices, whatever they are, we become more and more detached. And there is so much science out there, Brandon, I could name, you know, Richard Louv is one of the greatest thinkers, mostly with kids around, you know, the last child in the woods, the nature principle, vitamin N, N for nature, and many other researchers that talk about the power and the science of coming back into nature. Our cortisol levels drop, our dopamine goes up, our sense of groundedness and presence, what they're doing with kids in nature and schooling and all that is amazing. So I just want to say there's a ton of research out there that it's not just wooji wooji it's you know i mean a lot of people can say that it's like there is a reason that we need to be connected to earth down on the ground like you said with the trees and on the dirt and so my work in my thesis uh coming out of my master's program was really about wanting to create uh, a, a framework of consciously and intentionally working in nature to develop, develop capacities. That's mm. what I'm really saying. So when I say leadership, I'm calling them leadership capacities, but in a way they're just human capacities, they're personal development capacities, but I have shaped them in a way that say, this is what you can use to also lead in your life, in your community, in your organizations, that these capacities are critical for leading. So very simply without, and I'll pause after this if you want to dive in, because I could go into a lot more with this, but the four quadrants, this four quadrant framework or design, think of it as an extension of human design. It's a design. And that is that the one quadrant, and these all connect and interrelate to each other. So they're not like separate. And then this is where nature can help develop these capacities by spending time and doing practices, guided practices in nature. So the first one is, and I have a simple name for it, and then I kind of have it, what's the capacity? So the first one is called looking out, looking out. And that core capacity is what we call sensing. 
So sensing is so important because sensing is about sensing the field or the space, and you can do that anywhere. So meaning out in nature, it's nature is amazing, right? There's a monkey in the tree and there's a rainbow. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. And look at that. And look at that little iguana over there. Nature just gets us in wonder and inspired to sense. What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I seeing? What's the gestalt of my own intuitive body? So that sensing is critical because you can do that out in nature and you can do that in the boardroom. And I see so many leaders that don't know how to sense in the space. They come in in their own compacted ideas, story, head down. Okay, everybody, we're doing this versus walking in and noticing and sensing the space. All 12 people in the room, what's going on? What's the vibe? What am I feeling? What am I noticing? And that sensing is really critical. And nature helps to just do that in spades. Just open your sensing, open all of your senses. So that's one. Two is uh, I kind of also talk about above the line and below the line. So if you imagine the framework in a circle that's sort of ever expanding and then four quadrants in the circle, there's a line too. So uh, so looking out is above above the line as a kind of I'm looking out into the space and I'm engaging the world around me. Then below the line is the next one is looking in. So now I'm looking inward, it's below the line and now it's about what's inside me this is all the arena of emotional intelligence, of self-regulation, of understanding my emotional terrain, what's going on. So I look in huge capacity in corporate America. It's probably the thing that people are talking most about, right? Emotional intelligence, mindful practice. Am I aware of my impact as a leader? That's the looking in. And the capacity here is feeling. So the capacity in the first one is sensing. The next capacity is feeling. And again, I'm going to say this, and I don't want to be too gendered about this, but in general, men have a harder time accessing that feeling place. So this is why that's an important capacity, particularly for men. But again, it's through all genders. You know, it's again, that quality of if I'm developing more of a masculine kind of energy, I may be all out and young and trying to get shit done. And I forget to just to look in. So you got to look in and it's very fluid. I might step into that room with 12 people in a boardroom and I'm sensing the space. And in the next moment, as I'm sensing, I'm going inward. Okay. What am I feeling? I'm feeling kind of nervous right now. And it looks like there's a lot of kind of anger and frustration in the room right now. Woo. Okay. So I'm noted, you know, I know I need to notice what's in my interior landscape. So we talk about that, the interior landscape. So that's feeling. So that's below the line. Then we go back above the line over to the other side. And that one is called choosing, choosing. So that's the kind of cool thing of just choices. That's in what I'd call the acting or decision-making zone. So again, for leadership, this is critical. I've coached a lot of leaders. One of the number one things in the coaching of leaders that I hear is, the quality of their decision-making is what's most critical. They're always having to make good decisions or often with feedback, without feedback. And so there's always this kind of fear. I'm not going to make a great choice or a great decision. So nature has a great way of helping us to come into a place of full-bodied wisdom and understanding to make choices from a different place than we're used to. And nature opens the body, opens the heart in a way that says, I am now fully aligned with my choosing. So meaning that it's just head, heart, and body, you know, it's all three rather than the old mode is typically head, head up. It's all heady and practical and logical and left brain. So this is a way where the choosing or the decision-making comes from a different place, especially using nature to kind of inform that. Oh, wow. 
Okay, got it. And then the last one below the line again is what I call presencing. Uh, this one is, uh, sorry, this one is being with. The simple, the simple words are just being with. Can you be with everything and anything? <laughs> Can you be with it? rather than trying to change it, fix it, or rail against it, or fight against it. And this is the capacity of presencing. And this is, in a way, it's one of the four quadrants, but in its way, it actually permeates more of all the, all the quadrants, but it is a capacity to work with generally, which is present. Can I come to full presence with me, what's happening in the space, and be with it, and not try to force it or change it or shift it? So all of these four quadrants work synergistically in and out like a breathing organism, or I might, I might need to shift and, and stretch into this place, which is more uncomfortable for me. I don't normally go to my feelings, so I need to work at then stretching into that so that the center, the center of this framework is a place of balance and clarity that I'm I might be pulled off of it, but then I come back to it or I stretch into this capacity and then come back so that I'm unshakable in a way. And this is sort of the spiritual message of this is that I am a rock. I am a mountain available, open, but grounded and grounded here right now. Mm. And that I can pull on these capacities. And so a grounded present leader who's there and available is golden in any setting. You know, it's powerful to see that kind of leader who leads from that place. And it's a level five leader in good to great. If you want to talk about that, you know, in some ways, our most charismatic leaders are not the best example that I'm pointing to. Hmm. They do get a lot of shit done, but not necessarily in the most healthy way. And that people are, you know, are, are you know, are impacted massively by, um, you know, narcissistic leaders who are super smart yeah. and get shit done. Wow. Guys, there's so much there. And if you're so if you are if you are on the treadmill, if you are washing dishes, if you are in the car and you're just kind of like, wow, that was just incredible. Let's get a high level recap. I always re I take notes for myself and I, right. I revisit these conversations just as so it's my own spark notes. So um, yeah, but good. I was taking notes for you guys. So we have the four core capacities. We have looking out or sensing using your understanding of your your feelings to kind of just get a feel for the space around you and that's and then then we have looking inward or feeling tapping into that emotional intelligence and understanding what you're you're doing as a leader and how you're showing up in the world and then acting your decision making slash choosing and understanding that our best decisions are coming from a, a full body understanding being fully aligned and then lastly being with or presencing and being okay with just the way things are not needing to change anything so that was yeah. super good super valuable I, what i would love to do chris is like turn this into something that someone can do and i'm going to say this out loud so that i'm holding myself accountable for it because you have a practice that i came across i'm like i need to do this and i just didn't have time to do it prior to our conversation so that is me being self-accountable and i'm going to make sure i do that within this week but hard eyes soft eyes i thought this would be a great opportunity for someone to start fitting this in as a way that you can actually tie these insights from nature into helping you to actually have a more broader diffused perspective in case of you're, you're kind of like tending to be inclined towards just being very narrow, narrowly focused. So we'd love for you to maybe yes. share that as a way people could apply this. Yeah. Beautiful. So hard eyes, soft eyes is a practice, especially done in nature. That's specifically for the sensing quadrant, right? Specifically there. I have other practices for the other quadrants, but it fits well there. And it also fits a bit in presencing too, as a practice. Uh, but the hard eyes, soft eyes is just kind of a colloquial way of saying you are using your eyes, but it's just kind of a, a 
an easy way to say you're using all of your senses. So hard eyes, soft eyes can be simply done anywhere. It can be in your local small park. It can be when you're out in deeper nature, taking a long walk in the hills. It does not have to be, I got to go into deep nature to do it. It can be anywhere where you're, you're not looking at a screen or not looking at a human made thing, right? So it, it, cause that opens you up a little bit more to the wonder and curiosity of the practice. So what hard eye simply means is that when you do that part of the practice, and I'll give you the whole thing in a minute, but I'm going to describe it first. Hard eyes is like a focused gaze and you start with your eyes, but you're bringing your whole attention to whatever you're looking at. So if you're just doing a walk in nature, I might stop and look at a tree, bring my hard eyes focus to the bark of the tree. And I might see a trail of ants coming down and I'm looking at a very focused place and really putting my attention to what's happening here on this tree trunk with these ants coming down. And I get curious and I stay with that for a moment. I stay with that. I keep staying with that. And then part of the practice is, is then there's a moment where then, okay, I'll shift out of that and I'll shift into soft eyes. Soft eyes is simply a soft or diffuse gaze or perspective. The focus gaze is tight and narrow, and you would call that the perspective is focused and directed. The soft eyes is diffuse and open. So if I'm standing out in nature and I was looking at this tree trunk, I'd just take a step back and allow my eyes and even my peripheral awareness to open up to three, you know, 180 and maybe even 360 and see if I can, without looking at anything, it's the gestalt of taking it all in at the same time. And it's a practice to just feel into that, to relax and open. I'm, I'm doing it now because I'm looking out at our trees and things here. And I can kind of allow my whole awareness to kind of take in the, as much of the space as I can, right? And then the practice is then I might spend a few minutes of that. Then I come back and I find a new place to bring my focus gaze. I spend some time there and I come back. And in the practice, when I do this with people out in nature, I encourage them to go back and forth and play with a different amount of time. So there might even be a place in time where you do focused hard eyes for literally 10 seconds and then come back out to the open gaze for 10 seconds and then go back and then forth or take 10 minutes and whatever it is. So you play with the amount of time. And what I hear from people is that Doing that out in nature makes it easier and more interesting, but then what they notice is it's all about perspective shift, even when they're back in the room with their, with their employees or with clients, where they notice that their energy is really focused on solving this problem. And blah, blah, blah. and many have told me that when they just remembered, oh, go, go soft eyes, they actually look up, slow down pause and just what's happening in the space, you know, but working together or on the zoom call. So it's a shift in perspective and nature helps to inform that and develop that capacity in a way that's fun and interesting. And then you bring that capacity to any place in time where you can use that to shift from focused, intensive gaze or attention perspective to more diffuse, wide open. What am I seeing in the whole space? That's what I mean by the sensing. I can sense it a focused way, but I can also sense and feel the whole space as big as I can feel it. Like I will actually intentionally see if I can bring my awareness beyond that set of trees and, and there. Can I even hear something, a certain cricket that's over there or there? And so I'll actually practice with the diffuse gaze can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And in terms mm. of just your awareness, your presence of the space. 
Um, so that's where, and then nature, what it does is it actually calms our nervous system as we're doing it and activates our sense of wonder. Mm. That's what makes it so juicy there rather than I can do it with you here right now, but it's not quite the same. It doesn't, it doesn't build the capacity like nature can do for us. I love that. Well, there's my homework personally. I would invite you listening to maybe do the same thing because I think it's also, I could just imagine this is somebody speaking from somebody that hasn't done this before. It's a, it's a meditative practice as well. So you can kind of like, you're, you're accomplishing multiple things at once. You're, you're actually, as much as you said, it is a sensing, I would argue it's also a presencing thing, right? Cause you're, you're also, as you said, they're not categories, right? It kind of diffuses. So you've kind of created a, yeah, you've created a exercise that is encompassing the, the presencing and the sensing as well. But then again, uh, just tying all this stuff together that I've just kind of gleaned from you. It's like you train yourself to have a full body understanding, a full body of awareness, instead of just kind of like having this intellectual understanding of like, okay, I need to be focused now, or I need to be out there. Like your, your, your body is fully understanding and integrating this practice, leveraging nature. And that translates into just generally your ability to zoom in and zoom out of these conversations. So I love that. And it's so cool because we, th- this is only one of the small, like, like practices you do. I know you're doing entire retreats now of, yes. of incorporating all this kind of stuff. So I want to be kind of uh, aware of our time. So I would love to ask kind of a, a question I asked for guests and then we can find out some of the stuff that you're up to. And maybe we can talk about the retreat and that kind of stuff. But yeah. Chris, I know you've already kind of mentioned this a few times and as, as a nature person, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your answer about this curiosity question. So a, a question I've been asking lots of guests lately is what is, been the impact or how have you applied curiosity in your life? And how would you, how would you kind of think about the the impact that curiosity has made for you personally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it even weaves so much. Uh, so just what we were just coming off of so much of the work in nature and this nature-based work and this nature-based leadership work, one of the core um, kind of ways of being for humans, as we step into what I've just shared is curiosity. You know, it's sort of like, that's what I teach and help facilitate when we're out on these experiences and on these retreats is wonder and curiosity. So for me, as I reflect on my own life around that throughout my journey and, and particularly around now in my, my work and in my own life is that I think this idea of curiosity is so profound for the connection to my own growth and my own sense of, of um, creating more of what I want in my life through curiosity. So the way I personally hold it is to get really curious about what's happening now in my life, getting really curious about how what I'm doing or how I'm living my life is serving me or not serving me. So that comes from a curiosity place, huh? I wonder, God, I wonder what this is rather than from a shame or blame place. Mm. That's very common. So the, the shame, the opposite of curiosity is thinking about my life or what's possible. Go, fuck, I just not getting it. I'm not doing it right. And I, I thought I'd be here and have multiple millions, you know, in the bank and whatever we say to ourselves, that's not a curious place. That's a place of shame and blame, self-shame and blame. So curiosity opens the space for me to ask the questions. So for me, curiosity is question asking internally or externally. And sometimes the curiosity is just that place of opening to what's in the space now and being in a place of investigation or inquiry around, huh, what is this? What, what, what? So if you're struggling with this, Chris, why, 
why are you struggling with it? Or what's going on for you? So being curious and being investigating may, may not have an answer right away. And that's also part of being curiosity. You know, how long did we take to, to find why the sky is actually blue? That might've been years, right? When I first, I first asked it curiously as a kid at five, why is the sky blue? And maybe didn't really realize that until, you know, I was 20. So there is also a place where curiosity can just be present without answers coming. Mm. So for me, I've always been curious about my life and what moves me and creates meaning for me in my life. What moves me from a place of purpose and a place of giving my gifts in a way that feels aligned with my purpose. So most of my inquiry and curiosity for me has been around that journey of my growth and development. And then the curiosity that I bring to then all other beings around me is trying to develop a quality of being curious so that I am not making judgments or just assuming or, you you know, so the way I use that with all human beings is, can I be curious about this person, even though I may be making all these judgments and assessments up because I think I know this and this and this and this about them? No, be curious, be here right now and see what's in the space. And then so curiosity, as I said, leads to questions for self or for others. Huh, tell me a little bit more about that, John. That's a, that's really cool. Amazing. Curiosity at play and it's powerful, right? You know it. You know, when we ask great questions, it elicits amazing responses from people. And that also is for ourselves. A lot of people forget that, Brandon. It's always that kind of curiosity outside of self, you know, about the world and about other people and what's going on. But we also need to turn that to ourselves. I know I do too, mm -hmm. is getting curious about me. And what is going to move me so that I have the highest expression of me in the world and that I'm having the kind of impact that I want to have in the world, hopefully a positive impact on other beings or on the world in some way, living your purpose. I love that. I love that. And I'm so good. I don't want to add anything besides just an observation of just how you, your model. I love people that not only practice what they preach, but they live what they preach. They are what they preach, right? So even in your answer of curiosity, you even use your own model of like curiosity outwards, curiosity inwards, and even right. curiosity, like what you said, curiosity can be present without necessarily needing an answer. That's presencing, right? That's just being and sitting with the question, which I, I love that. So I just wanted to point that out because I was observing you, your, your the language of your model coming out in, in your answer there, which was super cool. So That's Chris, this has been, yeah, yeah, this has been so amazing, Chris. I, I would love for you to share a little bit about maybe the retreats or some of the other stuff that you're up to so that people can continue to follow you in your work. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, as, as I've shared with you, Brandon, sort of the, my flagship training has been launch Academy for many years. That's helping people to create amazing online courses and launch them into the world. I'm still doing that, but spending less time and energy on that as I move toward really this, this desire to work with really inspired entrepreneurial leaders. I mean, it might be corporate leaders at some day, but entrepreneurial leaders primarily through this emerging new mastermind group that I'm creating called the Changemakers Collaborative. It's not here yet. I don't have any website folks, um, but you know, if you're, if you're curious about it, it's a high-end mastermind group. It's going to be limited to a certain number of people to really go deeper in two key things, which is not only scaling our businesses and all that takes to do that, but you're going to love this is that we also need to scale ourselves and scale mm -hmm. our leadership. So this idea of internal scaling, we, we've got to look inside and scale who we are in our capacities to be able to get to that next level. 
Like it's going to take a different you to have a $10 million business than your $1 million business mm. will take a different you. And so what does that mean? So I'm excited about that. And then there's also weaving in my, the retreats for that program are really going to be elements of, you know, masterminding and building business, but also time in nature together as a group and sharing what insights we got from doing that. So weaving in my nature-based work into these awesome retreats. Um, and then I'm doing, I've, I've started to step in and combine all my years of doing men's work with this new nature-based leadership work. And so I've created with a partner, Soma Miller, uh, what we call Emergence. And Emergence is a nature-based men's leadership retreat. Um, we've done, our first one was back in uh, March in Costa Rica. We're doing our second one. I don't know when this is coming out, but it's coming up soon in October here. And then uh, we have another one coming in March of 2024. And that is where we take the model that you heard me speak to, and we bring that into practice and play and engagement and really looking for what's the next step in your life um, as, as a man. So that's, that's emergence. Amazing. Is there like a place that people can go to kind of, I know you said the Changemakers Collaborative isn't, isn't available, but yeah. uh, is there, is there somebody like check you out on LinkedIn? Where would, where would you encourage people to yeah, find check out, me out on LinkedIn, LinkedIn okay. if that link is here and then also just chriskyle.com. And then you can also contact me through that. And then the other one that you can do is the uh, it's here's the website for that. The essential man, all one word, the essential man.net and forward slash emergence forward slash emergence.net nice. forward slash emergence. Yeah. Love it. Amazing. Well, go check out Chris on LinkedIn, chriskyle.com or the essential man.com slash emergence. Dot, dot and, net. Sorry, dot net. Oh, dot net. Yeah. That was dot me. Net. I wrote dot net. Yeah. I said dot com. Erase what I said. <laughs> dot net. Emer <laughs> is the essential man.net slash emergence. Perfect. Otherwise you'll end up on some crazy page, but <laughs> oh man, I, I, I just want to have a, a brief conversation with our friends listening to us right now. And I, I, I say this all the time. I don't get sick of saying it, but there is so much in here that can transform someone's life. You have no idea. That is why I'm so grateful to be a podcaster. That's why I feel so aligned with it is because my life has totally been transformed by podcasts. You never know, just a single word can change someone's trajectory. So this episode has been full of powerful words and there's so many powerful stories, whether it was just hearing it's so funny now that we've heard this whole experience, like literally Chris got started with a company that was doing Botox and now look at him creating like more connection in the world. And like, he's continued to experiment and be curious about himself. And now he's helping other people to step into nature and, and, and alignment with their purpose and scale internally and externally. So whether it was, you know, just hearing those early stories, or maybe it was the four quadrant framework, or maybe it was even Chris describing what it's like to be inside of that liminal space that, you yeah. know, if you were somebody listening to this, you were somebody that is curious and growing. And it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and how many times you go through that liminal space. And I think it was really helpful to kind of just hear uh, Chris's thoughts on just what it's like to go through that. So rambling way of saying there's been so much gold in here. And my ask is that you just take a second to share this with one person. You have no idea the impact that you can create. You may never hear about it, but they, there's, you don't know. You just don't know the ripple that you can create by just sharing this. So whether you do that or not, you're still here. You're still hanging out. I'm so grateful for you listening. And Chris, any final things that you want to say before we head out today? Uh, well, first, just thank you, Brandon. Beautiful, beautiful interview. Way I loved your questions and I love how you go about your podcast with a lot of curiosity, engagement, and really depth of understanding of what we're talking about. So I appreciate you first and foremost. And then just my my you know my final message to folks out there is to just allow yourself the the space and the opportunity to really check in and see what is most calling you now, what is most meaningful, what is your new why now. And just like you said, we're all in a space of where we are and you might be totally right on track, 
But if you give yourself the moment to check in and just see, maybe there is a one or two degree change or shift in your life that would change everything for you or make things much more beautiful and robust and big and juicy in your life. So that's that's my final invitation to folks is to, to, to be able to go inward as well as to be putting your energy outward as well. Love that. Appreciate your wisdom, Chris. Appreciate you. And we'll talk to you soon, my friend.